everyone. Welcome to episode two. We're going to try and actually do like an actual intro this time. Um, I'm your host, Mumi, and with me is my host, Sciotic. Hello. And Sai, you know, I think last time people got the wrong impression of us a bit. You I know. disagree. <laughs> I think people thought we were very cynical in the last episode. Did they? Uh, some people heard said... Uh, we were Some too cynical. People, we're too right? young to be so cynical. So, you know, I thought it was kind of hard for someone to be so cynical when they love magical girls as much as I do. So this episode, we're just going to focus on magical girls. And to help us with that, we've brought on uh, Kai of Clear and Sweet fame. Hello. Um, I fear I've been miscast, though. If you're trying to bring down the cynicism levels of your podcast, I'm not I'm the wrong person to bring on. Uh, I was born a cranky old man, so <laughs> it's fine. We're 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 all just cynical assholes here. Um, so for the you know the viewers at home uh, who aren't aware of your stuff, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? What's who's the man behind the Groucho glasses? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm a, I like to style myself as an anime critic, uh, particularly in the Magical Girl and Magical Girl adjacent sphere. I have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash clearandsweet where I make some um, mostly long-form critical analysis. I've done three big ones so far. I've done The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, uh, The Adolescence of Utna, and... Boy, a shot-by-shot breakdown of every episode of Puella Magi Madoka Magica. So if you're interested in that, if you want to hear me talk about all the themes, directing choices, you know, shot composition, uh, lines, dubbing, every single thing that constitutes a uh, finished anime product, then you can go check out those, geez, like 17-hour playlists that I have on that channel. Yeah, I heard you got some really good guests on your Madoka series. <laughs> hey, shout out, special shout outs to this guy, uh, uh, Mumi, guested on episode 10 of the Madoka Magica Breakdown series. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been great. It, I've and, heard that guy. But literally, it's been great to, to connect with people. Um, right now, I'm doing a Magical Girl tier list video. Where we're ranking every Magical Girl show ever made. And one of the things I've done is reach out to all these different um people who really wouldn't have a chance to speak about their passions uh especially in in front of a mic and have it recorded and put out there so uh, it's been really cool to meet people and the connection i have made with you has been a really fun one so thank you for having me on oh no thank you for coming on it's good to have you um so i guess that kind of brings us to uh you know you talked about what you do on your channel and i guess that's kind of reflective of what you kind of get out of anime but what got you into anime in the first place like sure sure i i actually have a very distinct memory um well anime in general i don't know i was always i was always destined by the time and place i was born to to wind up at anime sooner or later um but i have a very distinct memory of uh when i became a magical girl fan i think uh, oh I don't know if you know, you guys are a bit younger, I think. Um, uh, I definitely am. I don't know how much younger Moomy is. I don't think I'm that much younger than you. Okay, well, let, let Grandpa tell you a story about the um, the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, I was there. 
I think it was 2001. Okay, in the early 2000s, late 90s into early 2000s, um, Sailor Moon aired on Toonami after school in like an after school time slot. You know, when they brought back Toonami, they aired it at like 11 p.m. And I thought that was so dumb because it was originally, you know, supposed to be after kids after school. That's yeah. why I watched Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon and you know, a lot of those those shows. Outlaw yeah. Star, Gundam Wing. Yeah, Tenshi Muyo saw my first titties. No, it was. No. I remember seeing Naruto <laughs> that way, being freaked out. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, you see boobies in the first episode of Naruto, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleavage. Cleavage. That's, well, that's yeah, it's, it's censored, but still. Okay. So, so was Tenshi Muyo back in the day. Yeah. I digress. Um, loved Sailor Moon when I was watching it. And, and uh, I didn't know why. Obviously, when you're 10, 11 years old, you don't really have the capacity for critical thought in that way. But I distinctly remember watching Sailor Moon R, The Promise of the Rose. Which, to this day, uh, uh, one of my favorite animated movies, or movies in general of all time. Love that film. And uh, I remember watching it while we were on vacation in Virginia Beach. And uh, just, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Uh, I, I later would stumble on Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and had a similar, like, revelatory experience. But um, I, I sought out magical girls when i was in college which happened to be 2011 and i was i was just sitting there 2010 uh early 2011 watching every episode of sailor moon at 22 years old you know and as i did when i was 11 12 years old and uh trying to figure out why i still like this in a way that i didn't still like stuff like power rangers you know that's 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 interesting because there must be something about like when you go off on your own in like college and stuff that you kind of go back to things that you enjoyed as a kid. Cause like I felt I had like a similar experience because I, I, we kind of talked about it in the last podcast. Like I totally got out of anime. And then like when all my friends kind of went off to college, we all went and did stuff. Like I kind of came back to anime just because I had more free time. It was like familiar. It was like, oh yeah, I know this stuff. So it's kind of weird that you kind of had like a similar experience in that regard. Yeah. For me, it was um, really the catalyst was that I was taking, you know, some bullshit uh, textual criticism classes in, in college, some you know, oh. portrait of a lady or reading these old classical novels. And stuff. Why are the curtains blue? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the thing was, I, 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 I took a, this is a story. This is a legitimate story. I mean, this whole podcast could be me just telling you stories, but I had this guy, he had tenure at Syracuse University. His name was like Robert Jordan or something. He was like a big wig in uh, criticism and film mm -hmm. criticism. And he would study uh, Westerns. That was his thing. He was big on Western films. And we watched Red River. And there's a shot in Red River where the camera goes around. I think it's Clint Eastwood. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, quick correction here. The 1948 film Red River starred Montgomery Cliff and John Wayne, not Clint Eastwood. And then it comes back to, it's, it, it starts at his point of view, and then it ends looking at him after a 360 from the other character's point of view. And the, the professor, this was like his big revelation, was like the camera behaves in exactly the same way as the bracelet symbol that's in the movie if you trace the path of the camera and he like dropped the fucking mic after telling us that and I, I sat there in the audience and i was like wait shit wait how much money does this guy make 
wait, I can do that. That's not even <laughs> that. That's like not even that supported or or legitimate of a reading. And this guy's a, a one of the best in his field. Hold on, let me try. And th- and that's what I did. And and yeah, my entire pursuit of my life in my twenties was figuring out what made magical girl shows valid for me when I was a child and as an adult and why did I connect to them in a way that I haven't connected to other superhero stories or fantasy stories or other media in general. So you, you've basically kind of got into anime specifically for like magical girls then pretty much. I watched, um, Oh boy. Well, yeah, it was 2011, so I finished watching like Sailor Moon, all 200 episodes of Sailor Moon, like three times through, both in dub and sub. And I watched the dub and the sub at the same time to see the differences, and it, it was a whole fucking rabbit hole. Um, and then Madoka Magica aired, and and yeah, and then I watched uh, I watched the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, and I watched uh, Kaon. Yeah, my and, favorite magical girl shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, you know, there's I part of this podcast i hope is discussing things that are adjacent to magical girl shows that still represent the values inherent in magical girl shows oh certainly uh, and i would say i would say har he is certainly one little man cry baby it's devil man cry baby exactly that's what i have non-facetiously said to my my friend that devil man cry baby is a magical girl show evangelion is a magical girl show if you think about it thematically um uh, where was i um oh yeah getting into anime and then and then i and then i i tried to watch utna bounced off utna because it was too weird watch card capture sakura um the big one for me was princess tutu which is still my favorite show of all time to this day mm-hmm. uh right up there with madoka magica uh and the, and then i i kind of saw that the creative minds behind sailor moon were the uh people working on princess tutu and then <laughs> I said, okay, I need to watch the other stuff that people that made Sailor Moon have done, which then spiraled into me writing a grandiose manifesto about the works of Kunihiko Ikahara and Junichi Sato post Sailor Moon. And then in 2015 at Otakon, I gave a presentation about just that. Uh, and Or not Otakon. No, it was not at Otakon. It was at Anime Boston. Yep. And uh, working my ideas into that type of, uh, you know, constructed and focused and uh, thesis. It's it's basically a thesis, you know, of, of what makes a magical girl show, what makes it valuable and what the shows following Sailor Moon took from Sailor Moon's constituent parts. Uh, that really formed it in my mind and explained to me what I liked about magical girls. So... What exactly do you like? Because, I mean, I know what I like about them, but what what is it that draws you to Magical Girls specifically so much more so than, you know, a lot of the other anime that you enjoy? Grace and Glamour is the thesis of my of my statement. Uh, well, let's say let's say it's something more primal. Do you know the quote from I, I know you're in Texas, so I assume you're familiar with the Bible. Um, vaguely (laughs) there's a quote from jesus that says uh faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love and it's not just limited to christianity at all it's a it's a more broader idea of um this kind of uh these ephemeral fanciful values that we like to expound they have no inherent value to our lives rationally right and yet humans must behave as they do and uh 
if you watch my Devoca series, there's a great Terry Pratchett quote that says the exact same thing. And to me, the magical girl is all entirely about affirming those values and showing that they do have legitimate power and and ensuring that they are empowered, even in the face of outrageous odds, even in the face of logical impossibilities. Because the faith that you have in other people, in yourself, in um, the, the value inherent in each human life is what paradoxically gives them their value. Uh, so I, I think when you say, you know, everything can be a magical girl show if you think about it in the right way, that, yeah, the media that I've connected to, like something like Near Automata, right, is in no way a magical girl show. And yet it still touches on that same core value um, or, or something like Evangelion, you know, we are the words I love you. It is uh, very much informed by uh, those values that are present in magical girl shows. That's what I need to believe in the world and that I still choose to believe in in my daily life sure sure you know i guess for me i guess it's like the aesthetics in a way where it's like it's very much removed from like in a western context what we would you know generally kind of consume um and even in like anime context it's pretty it's still within that same kind of aesthetic like if a dragon ball z or uh, and you know, name your battle shonen of what like that empowerment of like strength empowerment, but they're taking it and like utilizing it in a way that they're able to like explore these different themes and you, these things are so far removed from just your typical like you know let's beat up the bad guy kind of thing or even like a Naruto where it's like we have to redeem this evil person like a lot so many magical girl shows don't even necessarily have like a true villain it's just like the conflict between you know people and like just living their everyday life like you know in a precure where you know it's just like their apprehensions have been manifested um and even that's not even like the best example if you go into like an ojibaja dorami where you know it's purely just the conflict, like the interpersonal conflict between the children and the class. And then you get to fl flesh out this cast without, you know, just making them feel like cheapened as like just these characters that exist in this show to be, you know, helped and then forgotten about like in so many like contemporary you know, battle shonen kind of shows where they will save somebody and then that person just kind of is off to the wayside. Like as much as I like, like the first uh, part of the Yu Yu Hakusho manga, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Absolutely not. <laughs> so in, at the beginning of the Yu Yu Hakusho manga, it's basically just him kind of doing these errands as like this ghost and having to redeem himself. And so it's very much kind of in line with that, where he's just helping these people with like their problems, but they don't necessarily know he's there because he's a ghost or whatever. That's the the, the gimmick of it. Um, it was completely removed from the anime, and it's kind of sad. But um, even in that, like all those characters, like you invest yourself at the beginning part of that manga, all those characters just go by the wayside. You got like this kid that had a superhero fetish completely forgotten about uh a girl that had like a boy that she liked and she died by a park bench spoilers for the beginning of show by the way um 
he helps her completely forgotten about like all these characters all the side plots that you you get invested in getting to see like their problems you know kind of manifest and be uh solved by our main character and all these characters just are relevant they you know turns into the battle shown and you hawk show does it goes into tournament arcs which are good but it's just always was like a shame that 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 they didn't really matter at the end whereas you get like something like dora me none of those characters really feel like they're just forgotten about like sure they kind of fall to the wayside for a little bit but then they come back you know a little bit of relevance here and there but they ultimately would come back for like a follow-up episode where like you know they would touch on the problems that they had in the previous episode arc uh, that they kind of followed them in and even sometimes when they were like instrumental in solving someone else's problem they would touch on that as well and that's that's something that's very kind of unique to magical girl series in a way that they're able to generate that much interest through just interpersonal conflict with this, like still having that aesthetic of, you know, I guess like glitz and glamor, like you said, <laughs> can, can I take, can I take what you're saying and run with it? Because it's very close sure. to what my idea was about grace and glamor, but do you remember the last episode of magical Dory me? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember sure that too because yeah, like I'm sure Sai. Wait, okay, hold on. For uh, for context, are we talking about the last episode of Dokkan? The, the literal last episode of of well, yeah, okay, chronologically, yeah. No, I've not I, seen. I've seen the first episode of um, Dotami. I haven't seen anything after that. Yeah, Sai is our layman here. He's he's meant to uh, interject. I thought everybody that joined your server has to watch Dotami. I thought that was the deal. That was that was the later rule that we implemented, and he he just snuck in, he got grandfathered in, <laughs> grandfathered. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, but like the the entire conflict um, at the end of Dory B relies upon the bonds that they've built, and 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 that it's a great example of how the magical girl empowers the grace aspect, I would say, or what I label to be grace. And that is to the togetherness that is the other people. And usually a function of how well uh, a show is, or how much I will like a show, let's say that. And how much I think a show is uh, a valuable as a magical girl show is a function of how well do they tie in those character moments, the simple happy time that they spent together with the climaxes of the giant laser beam battles. Sure. So that's yeah. that goes from everything from like Nanoha befriending fate to uh, you know all the kids trying to get uh, Doremi out of out of the Mahodo. Um and yeah, it's it's at the core of everything. It's it's like the the if you want to talk about the Ava rebuilds, the same thing, you know, it's the um in a magical girl show the thing that wins has to be the girl part not the magical part and and i think too that you brought up like the the shonen way of doing it that yeah I, i'm directly opposed to stuff like tenga topic or Logan. you know I, I don't like those shows because they're all about self-empowerment and i think the magical girl is a very much a communal shared experience and uh together with other people and believing in other people, not just in yourself. Um, well, it's interesting because this actually isn't even the first podcast all three of us have done together. Because uh, true, that would that goes to the Wonder Egg Priority Impromptu podcast we did for your channel. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and... thank you guys for that. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, that was about fun. Doing that like with every episode as well, and then we only did it for the last one. Yeah, um, man, I boy. When the next show comes up, we will do do every episode if if we think that it's it's interesting enough to talk about on an episode by episode basis. I mean, we could do that with like any show with this this podcast at this point because we could just well, yeah. talk about a show for first thirty minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. but uh. Yeah, that was very much Magical Girl inspired when she uh, <laughs> invoked Absolutely. the literal <laughs> like oh, yeah. ethos of Sailor Moon. Yeah, well, yeah. It wasn't well, then they they basically just explicitly referenced the the opening or was it a transformation sequence? What episode was that? Was this um episode eleven, second to last episode of uh, Wonder Egg? Though it's in it's in all the episodes if you look very closely. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the the one little background element of Wonder Egg Priority is the is the transformation background for Sailor Moon. I think when we watched that, we all expli- we all simultaneously went, "Oh, hey, look at that! That's cool." <laughs> yeah, I think Wonder Egg was like fun, but it never it didn't actually like really capture the ethos of like a magical girl very well. Like I I, I think they the could have. Well, see, the ending, they could have done... I mean, we talked about that, but... We're rehashing old content. We're a real podcast now. Right, yeah. Go go over to the channel and check the, the Wonder Egg ending video. No spoilers for the way. Yeah, we'll put, a, we'll put a little annotation to the top right linking you yeah. to it. But I do, I, do, I do think that Wonder Egg deserves more content before it finally ends as a magical girl show. I think it's got some dangle, dangling... Uh, maybe we'll hopefully will i wouldn't mind seeing more wonder egg but oh there was uh there was something so have you seen um uh, their video got posted today uh which is gonna date when we're recording this but this probably isn't gonna go up for another couple of weeks um there was a video that got released by noralities about uh card capture sakura no and... i am interested in this uh yeah it was i have a connection to noralities Oh, what's what's that positive connection? or negative one? Oh no, it's not really even a connection. She just quoted she just quoted my Utna breakdown series when she was talking mm. about her Utna thing. Um, there is a part in that video which, you know, there there are some parts that people are probably gonna take issue with, but that's not generally what I'm talking about. I haven't um, seen the card capture soccer one. I gotta go watch it. So she there's a part where she talks about a clear card in that one. And she makes like an interesting point that I I didn't agree with, where she was, I mean, she was praising Clear Card uh, for having like higher stakes than the original. Um, at least that's how it came off, you know, in what she was saying was that she was referring to. Uh, have you seen Clear Card? Yes, yes. So she was referring to, like, the dragon. She's like, oh, there's, like, a world-ending dragon, which is higher stakes than anything in Cardcaptor Sakura. Which I don't think is a good thing. Like, she was she was saying it as if it was, like, a benefit, like, a good thing. Uh, but yeah. uh, that was kind of the good... That was one of my favorite parts of uh, the original Sakura series was that there wasn't, like... And there wasn't a villain. There wasn't even really an antagonist. Like there was functional antagonists that were just kind of, you yeah, know, anyway. yeah, yeah. But they they didn't really 
it's just like people just living their lives and then you had right. the cloud cards essentially yeah yep yeah. and, and and yeah that's do you know what my uh like biggest memories of card captor sakura are or the times i think card captor sakura had the highest stakes two episodes one with the vanish card with in the cave when they're on vacation where the um people start disappearing like <laughs> the the people around sakura start just vanishing oh yeah uh, and then the cool. other one in the fight against ua when when the, what's on the line is that all the memories and experiences she's had with all the characters and yeah that is that is what you know if she fails to be the card captor she'll lose all of that and that in and of itself is valuable to her and that, that like that's more stakes than the destruction of the world or you know in a way yeah i mean definitely on like a scale uh just the destruction of the planet would encompass what you know functionally what you're saying is you know people's memory are going to be erased if they're dead <laughs> but definitely from like a narrative perspective that that person will like you know, this character, immediate character's memory will be erased is definitely more impactful than just, you know, the numbers of just the planet will be destroyed. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying about the magical girl show is that it gives you all this slice of life stuff. And then it presents, you know, it shows you how nice it is and all these relationships and all the, how these characters really do value each other. And then it uses that and challenges that in the climax and makes it meaningful. Like in Sailor Moon R, the promise of the rose, when they have this whole cutscene of all the times Usagi has helped all the inner soldiers and that hits hard because you sat there and you watched that. And you felt that it was meaningful to all those characters and to you. Yeah, that's, I mean, stakes are not inherently bad by any means. I mean, every Precure season deals with the end of the world. Uh, and I definitely wouldn't say that every Precure season was bad. But it's definitely something unique when you get a series that doesn't feel the need to just inflate itself with like this, you know, we're going to blow up the planet if you don't save the seven crystals or whatever. Like you don't, you don't really need that scale. And I think, you know, Ojibaja Doremi again is just the perfect example of that. Sure. Well, well yeah. example, I think of what you're talking about. It's not a magical girl show, but dragon maid uh does that a lot where for most seasons you know the first several episodes are slice of life goofing around and then they they introduce you know stakes drama emotional stuff like that uh towards the end of both season one and season two so i think i think that'd be a clear example of of at least where i think maybe introducing stakes yeah most appropriate yeah i mean I'm an apologist for that because I think it's kind of fine. I mean, it's definitely not my preference for Dragon Maid, but yeah, same exactly. It, it kind of just gives you context to things. I mean, it's not like that stuff was completely absent from the first part. I mean, when they no, introduced no. Toru, she's got like the sword in her and everything, so you got that foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely can see the the gripe about you know it going from this funny titty show with bouncing boob girls just being completely ridiculous to dragon uh, look at her be cute yeah to uh suddenly asking you to 
just take it very seriously <laughs> when it talks about like interspecies issues and yeah, I can. Yeah, Kobayashi was gonna die one day. You should give up on her and all that stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's not necessarily to Magical Girl's benefit to kind of depart from the more low stakes uh, plots, um, at least in, as far as like the numbers go. Obviously, it's not inherently bad, but we do get a lot of magical girl sight and you know daybreak illusions stuff like that uh we don't i I always defend that because we don't really get a whole lot it just seems like that because there's just such like a low amount of magical girl shows coming out now that even what the 10 that we've gotten even though each year is since you know badoka came out even though each year has had like a pre-cure and, you know, you probably, I mean, you had like a Twin Angel break and um, Mucal Dreamy in there as well. So really they're outnumbered. It just, it seems so saturated because there's just such a small amount of representation of like these different, you know, genres or subgenres of the Magical Girls genre. Yeah. Um, if you want to, if you want to go into a long podcast about, you know, we'll have to do a whole different podcast about just all the failings of something like a, a magical girl site. Uh, but I don't even know what that is. So good, good. Keep You're better for it. I'll remain ignorant. <laughs> um, what I would say is that uh, is a bit of confirmation bias. Uh, if you go into the magical girl discords where they are very much watching the shows for, you know, kindergarten Japanese female children, then. Uh, stuff like Mucal Dreamy, Dreamy far outweighs anything like Magical Sight in terms of uh, impact. So, again, a topic for another time, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, well, we can segue into Aria. We can touch on uh, Princess Tutu here. Because um, Princess Tutu, it's an interesting one because it's it's hard to even consider it a Magical Girl show as far as like the aesthetic of it i mean you do got the transformation sequence but it does go against so many of the conventions in that it focuses on problem solving through like just the music and then it ultimately not the music sorry the dancing and then it ultimately like comes around and it's more it's almost like more like a ray earth in a way where it's almost like the focus is kind of more on like the fantasy element of it. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's certainly a thing that, and I was on a podcast talking about princess two, 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 uh, two, 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 uh, watch <laughs> out for princess two, two, three. That's going to be a bad. Oh, yeah. Um, princess two, two is many things and it is absolutely a, uh, I don't want to say deconstruction, but it references fairy tales a lot and, and talks a lot about those and just the fantasy stories and the power of stories in general. Um, it's a lot of different things. It is not just a magical girl show. And and I would say most magical girl shows are in some way something else. Like Kill a Kill is a magical girl show. It does have these values of uh, togetherness and empowering um, believing in others. But it's also, you know, Hiroyuki Yamaishi doing cool 
action poses and referencing tomorrow's Joe or stuff like that. It made for an entirely different audience than, than something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like pretty cure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, it's a spectrum, right? First of all, uh, I do kind of take a bit of umbrage with you not looking at it uh, or saying that it's not a magical girl show aesthetically. I totally think it is. Uh, and and when you say it's pro- so the problems are solved by dance, I would say no, the problems are solved by talking out the issues in exactly the same way as something like Hard Catch Pretty Cure. Uh, They're just doing it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the dance. lens of dancing <laughs> to to and classical music. So yeah, and I, I I don't know. For me, a show, any show, the content is always always secondary, always ancillary. The setting, the um, you know, all all that nonsense stuff it doesn't really matter all that matters is the characters what they feel what they think and what they do and the choices that they make and what that tells us about life and how we should live it yeah and and to be fair like you know i I do very much consider princess tutu a magical girl show uh it's just it is very different than uh you know like your puro magical girl shows and your you know sailor moon kind of lineage it is what i would call a not a starter magical girl show it is, it is an advanced magical girl show i guess <laughs> which is funny because a lot of people tend to watch princess tutu as one of like their first if they get into anime you know outside of magical girl shows that's crazy i don't, I don't know how you would even do that i don't know there's people like watching madoka magica before they've seen any other magical girl shows i'm like what the doing i mean most people do i know i know they do (laughs) i just don't know why well didn't tutu have a dub that played on like american television at one point it's got a fantastic dub i don't know that it played on american television yeah i don't know if it aired on television um but yeah i guess that kind of brings us around to uh some other we should explain the context there that um that was the uh, Princess Tutu was, you know, a result of uh, Ikiko Ito and Junichi Sato forming that when they were doing the later seasons of Sailor Moon and then going off to do that on their own. And um, my presentation of Grace versus Glamour kind of traces that lineage of ideas from Sailor Moon into Princess Tutu um, in that she wants all Princess Tutu, much like Usagi or, or Duck, much like Usagi, wants all that glamour of, of being with the prince, of having this miracle romance. She lusts after the uh, kind of spectacle of it all, of being a human and being somebody important. And then by the end, they both realize the triumph of grace. What they really wanted was just the people beside them all along and the relationships that they made along the way. Yeah, that's. Definitely, like, the strength of Magical Girl shows is when they kind of really focus on uh, the interpersonal, like, dynamics as opposed to, you know, getting bogged down with, uh, I'm thinking of, like, Tropical Rouge Precure here. Oh, uh, come on. Did you see the recent episode of that one? Yes, yes. Tropical Rouge Freaker, yes. I'm watching every episode. I gotta watch this uh this this weekend's episode. That was uh so you you didn't watch the most recent one then? No, no, the one that came out just now. Okay, because the, the one that you watched was was good. This one was 
it was, it was a bit rough. It was just, uh, so I would I would go in a different direction with that. Like Tropical Rouge Precure has a number of like character moments that I feel super impactful and super super good. And most of it's centered on Manitou and Laura, and you know that that's fine. It's what it is. Uh, but I think those are those good character building relationships that are going to manifest in in the climaxes and make the show uh, an impactful and and traditional magical girl show. Now I think that something that emphasizes glamour very heavily and i talk about this um in the way that kunihiko ikahara split off from that uh from the idea of um grace and glamour in sailor moon is that something like utna where where utna is trapped and thrown into this society that values all this spectacle and all this end of the world nonsense and all this um gotta have duels and the rose bride and 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 she's swept up in it to the point where she loses herself along the way, you know, spoilers for Utna. Um, and then only at the very, very end, do you see a little bit of grace shine through and then her re- realize that the moments of grace that she had along the way were kind of super much more important. Uh, and Ikohar loves to do this. And this is kind of where I trace his, um, his work into Penguin Drum, which is again, one of probably my second favorite show after Madoka Magica and Princess Tutu. Uh, where it's all about the glamour and there's there's absolutely no grace and the character that represents grace in penguin drum is is kept in hogtied she's not allowed to act upon the show for most of the show and and that uh contrasts with the junichi sato uh trend line after sailor moon who heavily emphasized grace to the point of <laughs> tamayura amanshu and the first one, Arya. That's a great segue into. Thank you, uh... I did it. <laughs> yeah, took me a while to get there. That, that panel is up on YouTube, though. By the way, if you want to, if you want to go listen to all that, we talk about that. I'll put a link uh, right, right there, right in the top right for you. Cool. Uh, right so there. yeah, um, Arya, the what? What was it called? Uh, Somebody with some uh, Italian expertise want to tackle that one? Oh, are we talking about the current movie, the Crescipello? Crescipello. <laughs> so you- I don't have the name in front of me, but yeah, that one, the most recent one. Uh, I think They're we talked all... about it a little bit after uh, we all watched it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was a trip. Uh, <laughs> what is a trip uh, down memory lane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It w- it was real fan servicey, but hey, that's the fan service I wanted, and it's been what ten years, so yeah, feed it to me. Well, it's it's been more. Gosh, it yeah. has been like almost 15. five years since Avenire, actually. Yeah, I was thinking of it. It directly references the origination episode. So when did yeah. the origination episode nine air? Was it two thousand six? Okay, eight, so thirteen yeah, years. Eight. Yeah. Then... Speaking of that, I don't. I don't know if I like that insight into uh, Athena's character that they got engaged. Oh, come on. So, okay. So that's the spoilers, by the way, but that's the big like crux of this film is that in episode nine of Aria, the origination, when Alice is being promoted, um, Athena says, gives her like harsh advice when the water is rising. Um, What did she say specifically? I forget what it was. 
basically she she said something to that um i can't remember exactly what she said but she said something to oh if you don't sing with like emotion you won't uh because uh alice was feeling insecure and so she was like if you don't sing with commitment and emotion you won't move the hearts of your uh your patron yes and she she said that with like the intent like the the um episode is basically the movie i should say is uh telling us that she said that with the intent of you know if she fails this test and me saying this could potentially make her fail this test as you know it might shake her confidence and she just might you know fall apart in the middle of it um that would be okay and the whole conflict of like why they haven't been talking to each other over the years is or i guess the years is because she's felt this guilt over having that thought of it's okay if she fails it was positioned more in my mind as more selfish that that yeah it's okay if she fails so that i can spend more time with her because i i so value this relationship yeah and i feel like it's very similar to like alicia um yes i was gonna reference that yeah that that is is explicitly referenced in what episode 12 of origination yeah the second to last i think okay so maybe 11 okay yeah, the, where Alicia says that she directly held Akari back. She could have been a primo long ago, but she selfishly held Akari back. Yeah, Just, but yeah. I feel like there's a difference in actively going back and filling in like motivations for a character that weren't necessarily made sure, explicit in the moment. Sure. Is, so that raises the question: of like, was that intended? You know, was that? athena's mindset i haven't gotten to that part in the manga yet but was that athena's mindset when she said that in in episode nine or was it you know intended to be just hard advice and you know it very well could have been um but the fact that they like have now come out with like a canonical in universe you know reason for it it kind of detracts from any that you could have made for yourself um, like in that instance, I would have taken that more as like Athena's passion for singing itself right. and yep. like yep. her not wanting to let Alice, you know, basically insult the the thing that she'd love to do the most by doing it half-heartedly and just kind of giving her that nudge that she needed by taking doing taking the one thing that Athena took very seriously. Uh Yeah. And not going half-hearting on singing because singing is dear to Athena too. Could it? Exactly. Could it not be? Could it not still retain that reading? I mean, it could. Um, it's just when they kind of don't touch on it, and they are very much focused on like, yeah, this is what my thought process was. It, yeah, it just kind yeah. of detracts from it because you, you know, you kind of having to make reconcile this. You know, oh, I thought she would meant this. I didn't really have that motivation attached to it. So now this kind of skews, you know, what I was thinking about her character in that moment and that thought process. So it makes it even harder to kind of think of, you know, what would be most Mm -hmm. poignant to you on an individual level. I guess you could also kind of go one step further with that and and say that Athena's guilt didn't uh, allow her to think that she valued singing that highly to say something like that or didn't allow her to believe in that excuse even if it was true or not 
or like Athena is an unreliable narrator talking about her feelings for that day. Maybe. Like, Maybe I, could. I, it, could all, it all gets way too murky. So I, I totally think what you're saying is incredibly valid. And I would tend to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I felt like Avenire was the perfect kind of like fan service where you had, you know, moments that didn't focus on the original cast. And so it kind of commodified their interactions together. And I think we talked about this like after we watched it together, but just the fact that we don't, this isn't a series. It's just a movie in our last, you know, three, four uh, entries that we would have watched. They went from graduating at the end of origination to the time skip um, into Avenire where, you know, you had episodes where they kind of still interacted together and it didn't, doesn't give you the full scope of, you know, time of how long they aren't, you know, hanging out together. Like in the real world, obviously we, I was it's been about years. to bring it up. Okay. If you didn't go there, I was about <laughs> to bring up the fact that, yeah, this all happened over 15 years. So, or, you know, 13 years, whatever it is. So it, it does have that effect for those of us who are engaged with the meta narrative of Aria. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're watching it, like, if you're getting an Arya now, it's going to be completely lost on you. Cause I mean, I, I don't expect that they're going to make a whole series just so they can, you know, have this commodification not exist. Like that's just, you know, ludicrous, but I, I wouldn't be against it, but <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just, when you go from the Avenire stuff where they're kind of interacting and then you go into this, you're not getting the full like scope of like, Oh, they've, it's been X amount of years. This is, they talk to each other. Like, it just seems like they talked to each other yesterday. <laughs> so them trying to bank on that, that much was a bit, bit much for me. Uh, I used much, I used much. There's like four times to emphasize how much. <laughs> it wasn't too much. Don't worry about it. Well, I think, but what I would have preferred out of, I still uh, enjoyed Crepesculo. I have no Italian. Um, I think uh, what I would have preferred out of it, though, is more emphasis on these newer characters rather than going back to, to the old ones, which is what Avenire was doing, although I wasn't so big on that because, you know, I watched it like right after Origination. So that was just kind of like a hard follow up to say the least. Mm. I totally agree with you though, Sai, in that aspect. Um, I, I really want to see Akari play Alice's role to I, you know, yeah. I, I want to see a lot of that. And, and, and the glimpses that we got of those characters are so cool. Even in Krishupalo. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm hoping that that is something we do get more of in um, the upcoming film. Benedizione. So that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to, although it's going to be quite a while before we're able to watch that. That and uh, fucking um, Al. Al didn't show up at all. Looking for Al. No. Yeah, that's my, yeah. That's my I, favorite I, character. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. He's, he's on the cover. Al the gnome. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the classic uh, guy. Ika's love interest. Oh. He, he's on the cover for the next film, so hopefully yes. he's in it. Yes. 
Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't imagine that they're gonna focus on the new characters in the last film. No, because yeah. one of the other key visuals is also um, Akira. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Aika and Akira. Yeah, which you know is a bit of a shame, but it's the last. Supposedly, it's the last. Supposedly, film. it's the it's it's the curtain call. I yeah. Well, after the five other curtain calls. Yeah, yeah. So I still have. Figured out what that like. I thought Avenire was supposed to be the last ones, and they somehow snuck the movie in there on me. It it gets confusing because it's oh. called the like curtain call trilogy, but then Avenire is three episodes, so you could think that's a trilogy, but no, it's not. It's Avenire, Vesculo, Benedizione. What was the what's the Arietta? Is that that's the OVA after Natural, right? Yeah, it's between natural and origination. And that was supposed to be a curtain call too, right? Like, I have no idea. I don't think so, because... Well, okay, so after the first the first season, there was no guarantee that natural was going to happen. You know, it was just well-received enough that they did natural. Right. So in right. that way, the final episode of Aria the Animation is a curtain call. And it, it kind of feels that way, too. Like, it, it kind of does. Uh, that was yeah, and, origination and, is the big curtain call, really. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, and then, then yeah, I don't remember the area. I'm gonna butcher that pronunciation. Ariete. I don't remember it being like much of a curtain. Like it definitely had like a nice poignant ending, but I don't remember it like being a good stopping point for the series. I always thought of it as like the bridge into origination. That's fair. Yeah, it is kind of a, a self-contained little thing. Same, although I think we all probably watch this uh, with origination as like a thing that already existed. Exactly. So seeing yeah. an air like you know when it first came out might also just give like a different impression. You would have to check the dates because I think temporally is what what I'm going with there. Okay. Yeah, all I know is Natural ended in 2006. Ariete was 2007, and Origination was 2008. So it's a possibility, but that's definitely far enough apart as far as just the years go that it could have, they could have not known. Yeah, enough for a next season to be green-lighted in the meantime. Yeah. 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 So yeah, um, is there anything else we can think of? The... Oh, we've only talked about the crux of, of uh, what do you call it? Krishupalo. We haven't talked about all the other stuff too. We talk about Benifana, Athena, Athena and Benifana cosplay. Did that not did that not hit you on a deep primal level, or do you not? Uh, find... Okay. I I mean I liked Just it. Me. Just me. But okay. it did not it did not <laughs> it did not hit me on that deep level though. Oh. Oh. I was trying to think. <laughs> like I I don't remember. I th- I thought it was kind of like a a weak kind of movie until I think the part that I complained about really right right <laughs> I get you mm-hmm. that it, that it's kind of just you know neither here nor there you got the new sylph you got the new you know yeah yeah you get like this little vignette of you know this thing that ha- might have happened at now some I... point <laughs> it's just like oh that's cute. 
No, I, I understand that I was being pandered to and I, I kind of, you know, get it that they were referencing using a lot of what I loved about the previous series to set me up in that way to manip- manipulate me emotionally. Well, clearly they saw that your uh, video entry for um, Joe's thing last year where you talked <laughs> about those side characters and uh... shout outs to pause and select. I don't know if you saw you saw on Twitter, but I made a tweet that like when those characters showed up, the. um boy i'm gonna try and remember the names atora and oh man oh God, your favorite characters it. you gotta I know i can't do it uh, atora and the the other one um when they the two orange planet people from the trigetto episode of course this is a video i made it's, it's link to link link to the top right here check the yep, card, the the card top, there's the gonna be right. like 30 annotations for i this know sub, sub the it's, fine. Sub the it's like an hour long i gotta man yeah uh that episode is i would say my favorite episode in all of anime i don't know maybe episode 24 of evangelion maybe the kill a kill ova there's a couple ones that i really really love but um the trigetto episode is up there and when those characters showed up i started bawling i started crying (laughs) Just like, instantly. Seriously, just instantly. Just like, oh no, they knew. They oh, that's that's like uh, that's such an obscure fan service, right? You know, to show that those characters are still Undines, that they 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 were on the verge of quitting in the Trigetto episode, or at least the Tora was, and that they still are there. Oh my god. <laughs> I do think that was Ah, you know, now I'm thinking about it, like, I don't know how I feel about the connection of, like, them running into Athena as, like, a, a when she was, like, in school. Yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. they all had, like, weird. that chance. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it definitely fits into the series of, like, the chance encounters. Um, yeah. But, I, it, I mean, I don't know where else they would have put it, but it does yeah. feel kind of weird. Yeah, sure. I it was to show that how Athena was received among the wider population, and totally fits in with the characters on both sides. So I'm the, I wasn't upset with it, but uh, yeah, it was it was coincidental, I guess. Let's say, well, but also everyone in Neo Venezia knows each other. So yeah, come on. I, got, town, I gotta say, feel. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a strength of the series. You um, know, I I continued to weep throughout most of this film. I, I I don't know, and then yeah, cry very heavily at the the um, bits with that we talked about with Athena um, directly, but uh, you guys didn't weren't moved emotionally in the same way. No, so like I think a part of the problem is I was so emotionally impacted by the end of Avenire. Like, oh wow, really? Okay, yeah, that part just hit me so fucking hard because <laughs> it's so like meta textual where you know it's the whole cast they get together and they're just talking they're like oh it's so it's a shame that athena couldn't make it and just that uh, yeah, whole you need to sequence provide the, you need to provide the context for the viewers movie okay for for anybody that has not <laughs> seen aria or at least is just not familiar with the happenstance behind the production of aria uh, the voice actress for Athena uh, died uh, back in, was it 2000? 
before Avinari was yeah or or close enough yeah I think it was like 2009 or 2011 yeah um but she died of like cancer and so you know it was a very sudden death uh and she was she was quite young and so the context of like that last episode is like they all just get together and they're you know talking about um you know all the memories and whatnot and they kind of lament that they couldn't get Athena to join them. And so you get a lot of, in, I guess, like lamp shading where they're obviously alluding to the voice actress behind Athena, not Athena herself. And the ending is just them playing uh, a recording of Athena voice actress you know singing one of the songs from aria and they just kind of talk about how it's a miracle and to me that that's almost like them saying you know it's just a miracle that they were able to incorporate her into that just with the miracle of technology essentially where it's so seamless that you don't necessarily know that she's dead because they're able to still utilize you know the the things that she has left behind into the the work itself um yep it's but that whole that whole sequence was like i can go back now and it will just fucking kill me (laughs) yeah 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 it was definitely emotionally affecting because i knew exactly what you're talking about too i I looked it up it's airy kawaii and it was you may be wondering how athena was able to be in this thing if her voice actress dead. it's the the singer for athena who voice or who sings her song or does her her singing roles died in 2008 um the actual voice actor is still you know the talking voice actor is still there um speaking of i think we did talk about this which i don't know if you want to get back on this but uh the akari's voice actress was just sounded so off (laughs) She did, this didn't movie she? to me. She did, didn't she? She did. She did. And it's. I mean, it, I don't. I don't remember her sounding that off in Avenire. I don't know if something just like happened right. in the last five years. I mean, it definitely would be understandable because you know, from origination to you know now, that's over ten years. Like your voice is going to change. Uh, but it's just surprising because Avenire, I don't remember that at all. Like, I don't remember that being an issue. And it just stood out so much in this movie the whole time. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, okay. I looked it up. I looked it up. And yeah, oh, the voice actress for Akri in Japanese, um, because now we can talk about the English dub. Um, but yeah, uh, she has not done anything since Avenire. She has not oh. done any voice acting work. And honestly, she only did Avignere. Before that, she was Maria Hollick was the last thing she did in 2009. Gosick, 2011. Mm. And after that, doing anything since then? Like, yeah, like uh, nothing. There are no roles listed. Oh, wow. Yep. This episode of The Weeb Crew is brought to you by Rope. Need help tying things together? 
Just enjoy making sailor knots, then rope is exactly what you need. Whether it be for securing a heavy load of firewood to the back of your truck for use during these cold winter nights, making a tire swing in your backyard for your kids, binding the hands and feet of your victims, tying it into a noose to hang yourself with so you can finally escape this existential hell, or even using it as a clothesline, rope is perfect for the job. Available at a hardware store near you. The Big Crew Podcast are actually sponsored by Rope we can file this off but like um my we're doing a movie watch you know with normies with non-anime fans do people call people normies anymore is that is that like fuck if i know i've never been hip with the anyway cool kids. non-anime fans are and they asked me to pick an anime film and i was like well you fucking want to watch promare do you want to watch you know belladonna of sadness do you, like what are we oh. talking here like what do you what do you fuckers want to watch do you want to watch you know um grave of the fireflies like what you can't just tell me to watch an anime movie it's a whole it's a whole form of media it's not a genre uh so i just picked uh i just picked do you know what i picked do you know what i picked ghost you know what i picked yeah it was ghost no it was not ghost in the shell (laughs) that's a good that's a that's not a bad suggestion though it's like kind of sci-fi kind of heady kind of cool right not a bad that was the easy choice no. What's an even easier choice? Come on, Sai, get in here. Um Your Name. Thank you. God, yes. I picked your name. <laughs> exactly. And that that's exactly why did I pick your name, Sai? Uh it's it's the second biggest anime film ever made. Exactly. And why is it the second biggest anime film ever made? Uh, it's the most easily it's the most widest appeal. Into it. The the broadest net. It's easy to get into, right? Exactly. And and that's kind of how I feel. Like, if I'm trying to sell you on something, unless I know you very personally and I know what makes you tick, and I know that you know what makes you tick, and what you that you know that you know what you like, then I'm gonna start broad, and I have to start broad. And maybe I won't drastically represent all the greatest elements of this series and why I like it. But at least I can get a broad net and kind of get you on board. So you see, this is this is an interesting topic because I've kind of talked about, you know, what you would recommend to people that have never gotten in, never really consumed anime outside of maybe like Pokemon or whatever. Um, generally, I always try to recommend something that i think has a wide appeal but it's something that i could talk to them about um because i feel like a lot of what people kind of look for when they're watching anime is like that communal aspect i think that's why you know stuff like naruto and full metal alchemist and one piece all get so huge is because they just kind of accrue all these people you know they start off being pretty popular to begin with so more people over time to start reading it so you just have this large group of people that talk about it um obviously i think that's kind of less of a, a aspect in the current age just by virtue of you know i can jump on facebook and type in technolize and find some kind of technolized community and find somebody to talk about it with I mean, if you're just completely technically illiterate, technologically illiterate. Um, but I generally 
try to like find something that I would want to talk to them about. So when I think about stuff that I would recommend to people that haven't ever really consumed an anime before, um, I think like, you know, obviously you have like Ghost in the Shell, you have Cowboy Bebop, you know, those are like the no brainer things. Um, well, those are the no-brainer things for a, the previous generation. I would, I would say it's something like Demon Slayer, I guess, or Attack on Titan nowadays. But see, that's not what I would recommend to people. <laughs> yeah, that's a, not what you would recommend. But I see, I think that's something that's good recommended a lot. But yeah, you, yeah, you're saying that you you know some you know something about the person or or what? No, just like as a you know, just, Hey, I've never watched anime and you don't know me. What should I watch? Like I always tried, I mean, usually I'll just list off like, a handful of things that kind of have a broad appeal. Right. Um, but uh, like, I remember, so not too long ago, I, you know, I built my PC at a friend's house and we just happened to have to go by uh, a computer store and I saw they had Millennium Actress, and I was like, "Oh shit! I didn't know that was on Blu-ray." So I picked that up as I was yeah. buying some, uh, you know, like paste. Um, and thermal we were paste kinda... and, bl- and Satoshi Kon. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I go to the computer store for. So I'm building it as his house, and he's like, "Oh, what should we watch?" And just have it in the background. I'm like, "Ah, oh, we can watch whatever," because you know, I don't, I don't want to kind of concentrate on building the computer. And so he just, oh. Mind you, I wasn't even planning on opening it because <laughs> I'm one of those. Like, I have all this anime downloaded already. I just buy it just to own it. Um, and so oh I just God. keep it sealed. <laughs> your friend's like, this copy of Paprika, why do you? Why is it here? And you're like, oh, man, I bought some RAM and the guy just threw it in with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he just opens it up. And he's like, oh, let's just watch this. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And... I'm sitting there, like, I'm not even paying attention. Like, yeah. I've seen William Actress. It's one of my, it's in yeah. my top yeah. 10 anime, period. Sure. Can, I, can I say that, like, literally I was watching Millennium Actress seeing if I could share this with these people because I like, that is probably one of my favorite anime movies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, so this will tell you, like, would have been a good option. Because, <laughs> I mean, he watches, uh, he watches, like, Naruto and Dragon Ball Z or whatever, but he's not really into anime. He's watched a few bad stuff I've showed him just like when, you know, we're sitting around just dicking around, finding something to do to laugh at or whatever. Um, it was Queen, it was Queen's blade. <laughs> no, it was strike witches. I'm sorry. Um, but no, I'm not even paying attention to the movie and he's over there just drinking and watching this movie while I'm putting this computer together. Watching one of the greatest anime films ever made, sure. <laughs> and, like, it gets to, uh... It gets, like, toward the end where, you, you know, you got, like, the yeah, Where the it starts getting scene. really good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's over there, like, tearing up, and he's like, holy <laughs> shit, dude! This is a bit... I, I'm going on this emotional journey right now. Like, this is so good! <laughs> and I'm just like... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Like, yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. See, I just, just, I absolutely looked at Millennium Actress and I discarded it because I was like, I don't know if I can ask these people to get this invested in this period piece kind of uh, more psychological thing. 
Like I, I knew the payoff was going to be better than your name, but I didn't know if I could ask these people to sit down and, and push through it. I don't know. Cause Millennium Actress is just like such a good visceral experience. Like, yes, yes. your name is, I mean, it's not bad. It, it looks very pretty. It's got a lot no, of it, nice but effects. The, but it's got the haha, like, uh, body switching thing for the first 30 minutes of the, of the film. So. Yeah, the freaky Friday relationship that doesn't make sense. Yeah, so you can kind of, <laughs> that's again, the popularity. Like, I would never in a million years say that your name is a better film than Millennium Actress holistically. But for, I, I think there's some element of like, could we make an argument here that that your name is more consumable or or more um, digestible? Yeah, accessible. That's the right word. Accessible than Millennium Actress. So what you're saying is your name is the anime equivalent of Titanic. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can agree with that. And the sales bear that bear that out. Yeah. Just when Definitely. I'm recommending stuff, I I would steer. Not that I wouldn't recommend your name. I don't hate the, sh- the movie. Yeah, that's how um, I feel about it. It's just not one that I'd want to talk about. Like, if they started to want to talk to me about it, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, interesting story about your name. I actually went and watched that uh, in Japan. Oh, really? Um, so when I went to Japan, uh, what year would I have been? 2016? I think it was 2017. Um, I don't know. 20, it, it might have been 2017. I, I, was, I went both years, so it's hard for me to remember. Oh, Mummy with all the money. Oh, my it God. Might, it, it might, I don't remember. Anyway, um, we went, and it was premiering, like, the Friday when I arrived. And so I was like, oh, I really want to go watch that. And my girlfriend was like, oh... Oh, yeah, we should. Girlfriend. Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool to watch. We should watch that, and it just kind of got put on the back burner, kind of thing. You know, I mean, it wasn't a priority for me or anything. Uh, and then it kind of took off because obviously that was before it premiered. Oh, and you were there when it premiered. Oh, yeah, man, I was there when man. it premiered, and I didn't watch it when I went there, when it premiered and I get home and, you know, we're, we were kind of out of touch, you know, we weren't on our phones and on social media and shit traveling. Right. So when I get back, she's like, yeah, your name, uh, that movie you wanted to watch is like one of the fastest (laughs) selling box office hits in (laughs) Japanese history. And you're just like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I wanted to watch it. So you immediately picked, booked a train or a, a plane ticket right back to Japan to watch no, it. No, so I wanted to watch it. It never happened. Uh, and I went back the next year. And since it was so huge and they just wanted it to make as much money as possible for records, it was still in theaters oh God, a full great. year later. <laughs> that's amazing. So I was in Japan when it premiered, didn't go see it, and I saw it a full year later in an empty theater. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> no awesome. subtitles, no yeah. context, which yeah. granted you didn't need a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, 
it was that was this interesting experience for sure. <laughs> Almost as interesting as when we watched uh, Shin Godzilla and The Night Is Long <laughs> without oh, subtitles. Oh Jesus! Both great uh, movies to watch. Seems- I didn't enjoy watching the night is on walk on girl with subtitles. So I can't imagine what it was like <laughs> all the talking in that. I can't, I can't imagine watching Shin Godzilla without subtitles. <laughs> um, I guess it, it'd be horribly confusing. He, yeah. I mean, you picked up context, but I'll say that when I watched it, it just seemed kind of camp bad. <laughs> and because, then you get subtitles and you're like oh okay yeah because like you have no context to any like you just see like what's happening but yeah you obviously as a someone that doesn't speak japanese i'm not getting any of the inflection of their voice uh the tone's not registering so i just see yeah, them like yeah. having all these talky scenes i'm just like okay this is the comedy Pretty standard all, Godzilla stuff, okay. The, the comedy and then, of like all these uh, government officials trying to pass the buck on what the fucking do about it. <laughs> <laughs> like the entire like meta narrative of like them shitting on like officials just completely went over my head, and I'm just sitting there. <laughs> and Shin Godzilla, but that like that's that's like ninety percent of that movie. Exactly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's less of a Godzilla movie and more of a uh, Japanese government is fucking yeah. effective at disasters. Holy shit, like, watching, like, in Shin Godzilla, there is a lot of technobabble. Yes. So, there's not even, like, a lot of words you could just pick up on that you might have picked up from, like, anime. Like, no. Jap- Japanese is a very scripted language, so I could I could survive walking around, like, Japan uh, on my own. Watching that movie... I was just like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> the whole sure. time? I was like, well, I'll just like have caught and everybody ask her. And she's like, some of the stuff they're saying is very like advanced. Like, I don't even know how to translate some of this. <laughs> very, oh, uh, love it. very fun stories there. Um, I watched, uh, this is neither here nor there and not going to be as long a story, but when I was in, when I was in Tokyo, I watched um, The Ghost in the Shell, but with Scarlett Johansson. Oh. Uh, and it was, what was it? It was dubbed into Japanese. <laughs> yes. And it had English subtitles. That is and I, amazing. I was like losing my mind at how crazy that I, I don't know. It was just this weird cultural spiral. It's a real experience, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't know they did that. Like I knew they dubbed movies. Yeah. And I know they have subtitles for like English there dubs. Some, yep, yep. But I didn't know they dubbed in Japanese and put English subtitles. That's kind of why? <laughs> I may be misremembering yeah. it. I don't know. But no, they have they have they have English subtitles in a couple of big theaters for hmm. for certain shows. I think I mean, it would surprise to... me. Yeah. Like I tried to go to the it just the non dubbed version, you know, just <laughs> hearing Skojo just you know talk normally, but uh, in English. Yeah, no, they. I went to the actually the Japanese dubbed one, and I sat down and I was like, "Oh, made a mistake." So when so when did you go to Japan? I've been twice. Um, I went in twenty fifteen, twenty thirteen, and twenty fifteen. 
Oh, so that's been I a have while. no idea. No, I have no idea. No, it was 2015 and 2017. Yes, that is correct. When did, when did you go in 2017? I saw, okay, I saw the Sailor Moon uh, live action play the first time there, La Reconquesta. And you would have to look and see what it was. I have a flyer for one of the Precure films that was airing, and I do not remember what Precure film it was. um, And what else did I saw? I saw The Wind Rises. So whenever The Wind Rises was in, in theaters. The second time I went, what else did I see? I saw the Tokyo Tower. I saw the, I figured out the building that, um, Sakura was standing on top of to be looking at the Tokyo Tower in the dream sequence in, ep- oh. in episode one. Yeah. 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 That was did the, What do they call that when you, uh, what is it pilgrimaging? Tour? Is it oh, pilgrimaging? Yeah. yeah pilgrimaging. The, the specific yeah. term for it. I got to go to the, the Kaon, uh, school is a big place, you know? Uh, yeah, we went, we did that. We went to the, uh, I mean, we didn't go out of our way to do it, oh, but we went, went to, to what? Where'd you go? To the Kaon school? No. Um, oh, okay. we went to the Love Live shrine, uh, which is just the shrine in Akihabara. I remember it was Little Witch Academia. When did Little Witch Academia air? I went to the pop-up cafe, pop-up cafe for Little Witch Academia, and I talked to the person there, and she said, which one is your favorite? And I said, Akko. And I said, I'm watching this show from America. Uh, you know, I said it all in Japanese. And then I spent $200 and left. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I still, have, I still have material. What did you spend $200 on? I don't know. I just spent it. Yeah, I, that, that's kind of how I did. It was a fever dream. I remember like a little Diana Unicorn parfait thing that... It, that Oh man! It was so I mean, cool. to be fair, that's just Japan in a nutshell. You just spend <laughs> hundreds of dollars, and you don't even know what you spend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know the best deal I got it was um, a Princess of the Crystal figurine. I got it used for like five dollars, and then a, a Kyoko Sakura Nendo for ten dollars. All all the used figurines, super cheap. Oh, and they're 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 totally fine. They're in perfect condition. Oh yeah, uh, no. Oh, I got I got Scanny and knee socks. Scanny and knee socks. You familiar with panty and stocking plus oh, garbone? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Scanny and knee socks figurines. I got them for eighty dollars for the pair. They're worth a hundred and twenty dollars individually. They're in the oh, box and wow. everything. And I'm like, what? Are, what are you people doing? You you uh, are you are opening up a can of worms. You don't even know. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna talk about the the merchandise episode. You check out my figure, eyes. Yeah. My Sailor Moon cells that I have framed downstairs. Oh, true story. How much those run you? See, I wanted to buy cells last time I went to Japan, um, but you know how you said that stuff was cheap. It is not cheap anymore, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Like when I went to, so there's a. I don't know if you went there, but there's a there's um. It's it's a part of Tokyo, um. It's called Nakano Broadway, and it's basically like a giant Mandarake kind of complex. And they've got like different, you know, smaller stores in there here and there. Um, in there they they have like cell dealers, um, Ooh, where you really? can literally just go through boxes of cells. Like there oh. were, 
um, like a Kage no An cells that were like five dollars, five hundred yen, so less than five dollars even. Oh my um, god, that is that is um, what do you call it? Anne of Green Gables is that? Is yeah, there... Anne of Green Gables. Um, like I saw a Legend of Galactic Hero sell for uh, it was a thousand yen, so it was like ten dollars. Bruh. Even if it's um, a minor character, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was Reinhard. Oh, um, oh goddamn. But the, the reason why it was cheap is because he was putting the crown on, and so it was like co- obscuring part of his face. Yeah, yeah. Um still. Which that's still. how they that's how they they price out the cells. It's like a lot yeah. of the Anne ones I saw it was like Anne like at her desk in a corner or something. Some, some in-betweens, but um, um you didn't do but, uh you know, like a talking no video, you didn't just walk into a anime studios and just and just pick up production materials and leave. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, the glory days. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went. So I kind of bought all the conventional merchandise, like figures and stuff like that, that I was interested in, uh, and so there was two years, like a year, a full year or two years i can't remember that i didn't go to japan and i was like next time i go all i want to do is like buy you know different stuff that people aren't collecting necessarily so i bought a bunch of vinyls and stuff i bought like the ashino joe soundtrack uh we got like six volumes of the galaxy express uh soundtrack on vinyl um and like the original Macross soundtracks on vinyl. Um, and I really wanted to buy like Evangelion cells because the last time I had gone to Japan, um, I didn't have as much money. And so I went and they had like, I saw that they had uh, a cell from dance. Like you want to win where it was, you know, half the left half was Ava unit one and the right half was Ava unit two. And it was like split and they're like running at the camera. It was the full, you know, had the background and everything and it was like i think it was fifty thousand yen so it was like five hundred dollars and i was like man that is so cool but i i don't have five hundred dollars i don't you know but um going back i was like i, I want to buy something like that you know five hundred dollars is completely doable fucking yep. i go back and this is 2019 the cheapest evangelion cell i could find was two grand and i was like fuck my life dude holy shit why would it what what would even cause that like sudden price hike well they are a non-recurrable thing yeah (laughs) they're making more but still Uh, they've been around for like over they also had that uh i can't remember what year it was they they banned I think they banned the sell of cells to foreigners because like, at least on like websites and stuff, because it's like a Japanese historical thing. I see. Um, there's been some weird like legislation deals that have gone on. So I think cell cells have gone up in price quite a bit. Okay. Plus you have people that are kind of getting more into anime in general. Yeah. Yeah. I you know personally I blame '90s aesthetics accounts. People oh. are just buying these cells and don't even know what they're from. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't think it's. I think. I think you can watch Neon Genesis Evangelion on Netflix, and that's a 
that's a big deal. Uh, I don't seriously think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. If you want to talk about buying like, figures, uh, that, I definitely looking at like that's that stuff getting banned. Uh, that sounds interesting. Oh, I don't know. I bought stuff on uh, buy Yahoo auctions. That's where I bought myself yeah. last year. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact legislation. I know they've passed some stuff about it being like Japanese. Those might be like already have been sold and out of Japan. Um, okay. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. I just remember they've done some legislation we'll specifically for it. sales. Yeah, it's fact check me. Tell me I'm a fucking idiot. So, it seems like Mumi is is half right here. Uh, I looked it up afterwards, and uh, it 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 doesn't seem to be uh, an explicit ban, maybe. Uh, but effectively, what uh, the Japanese government is looking to do is to create a media arts national center, which would effectively be a way to procure anime production materials and store them in uh, all in one sort of like uh, an archive in Japan uh, and that would effectively really limit uh, the ability to export these materials outside of Japan uh, which it was is sort of the is sort of the point so uh, back to the podcast um, but no going back to Aria actually when I was in Japan, I found no, no timeout. No Aria cells. None. No digi paint. Well, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. I was so disappointed. Um, you know, you say that, but I do have a. I don't have any Princess Tutu cells either. Wait, where? It doesn't. It doesn't where, have cells. Where... No. No. Why not? Is it still? Why? Not? It's still. It's. It was digital. No, I did not know this. No. Yeah. Um. But you say that, but I do have a like a cell reproduction of mommy um, sure. in Rebellion. They sold like, those, right? The official ones on from the Shaft store. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. sold a couple cell reproductions. Yeah, I was gonna get the one with um, the from Rebellion with Madoka and Homura shooting the bow together up at the top of the grief seed, uh, just because I think that's the moment the 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 should have ended. You know, I got the one of mommy like her reveal and like profile when she's like after she's owned homer <laughs> essentially oh, that's like okay. my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. shot of home uh, mommy yeah i know um, what you're talking about i know but yeah speaking of uh going back to aria tying this back into that um i went to a hobby off and i found a alicia figure um Ooh. for i think she was selling for at least like 50 or 80 somewhere in that range and i found her for two thousand yen so for like 20 dollars absolutely nothing wrong with her i'm like i don't really even want this figure that much but how the fuck do you pass that up (laughs) was it a good figure oh man now i gotta gotta it's not my favorite Uh, my favorite of hers is the uh good smile one they did um okay oh we gotta plug we gotta plug um the there is they just announced an an Akari Nendo this past oh, weekend. Yeah. No, they yes. they have revealed the prototype. Right, yes, the sculpt for it. And it she has been announced beautiful. for five or six years. 
Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, oh man, I could the stories of all the figures that I've pre-ordered that I have coming to me in some time in 2022 or 2023. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, and then the other thing I want to say is that um, the manga Right Stuff is trying to do another print of the English versions of the masterpiece collections of the manga for Aria. Everybody, go buy it. Rightstuff.com. Aria, the masterpiece. The whole collection costs 120 or something dollars, and it's the best money you'll ever spend. Do it. Uh, we are not sponsored right. by Right Stuff. Um. <laughs> I want it just because I have the Japanese versions of the manga, and I want the I want the English versions there too. I can't believe it. We're two episodes in. We've already become corporate shills. Yeah, we've already <laughs> fucking sold out. Holy shit! Do we have a do we have a guy at Right Stuff? Can we get sponsored by? Can we <laughs> sponsored. make a partnership happen? See, speaking of manga. I hate buying manga. Um, the only manga I bought was uh, Tanaguchi's uh, Some of the Gods because for so long you couldn't read it online anywhere. So the only way you could read it was just by buying it. So I bit the bullet and bought it. Um, but it just seems like such a poor value sure. compared to like buying anime. Like Especially when you compare it to like Japan, you can just go and buy a full like the full series of a, a manga for like five to twenty dollars depending how long it is whereas where you, you can just pay for the app and just read it you know or, or read it le- legitimately for a fraction of what it would cost to own a physical copy yeah do you do you like reading stuff on like an app though no i don't like reading manga at all i don't i i own i've read three manga in my entire life well three non-hentai manga in my entire life oh wow that is aria that is uh komi-san can't communicate and that is nausicaa of the valley of the wind so (laughs) are you looking forward to uh, komi-san anime coming up here soon Uh, yeah, like, and this is if we want to get spiral off into a new direction here, but like the amount of times I was reading the Komi-san manga and I, me being like somebody on the spectrum that had, that like couldn't go into a gas station to get a pack of gum because I'd have to talk to the, um, to the clerk to, to pay. And I was too terrified to do that. Uh, you know, that didn't talk for an entire year in middle school at all to anyone because I didn't i just i just couldn't um yeah the amount of stuff that i saw in that manga that i just hit me on like this deep deep level uh oh Hmm. i i can't if they manage to capture that i think it will be a success but then i saw the opening have you guys seen the op for komi-san no not yet ah it's so good oh god oh it's so good put a link put a link in the thing here you in got the it it's on right YouTube, so. there we go yeah yeah there it's you on go oh. popping up by 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 the time this goes up the first episode will have aired so i'm sure you'll more than it. likely yeah yeah go watch it oh my god i i am so so excited for it can i can i ask you guys what your what your anime of the year has been so far so far yeah, i'll um, let you take this one first so, well, for me, I want to say Mushoku Tensei, but I, I'm going to put that with an asterisk uh, because I want to wait for this second core to 
you know, finish, and then I'll have more of a, a definitive opinion on it. But other than that, uh, I'm going to say uh, Nagatoro is my current yeah, anime of the year. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't um, seen as much as I'd like to, so that that could change at some point down. It probably well, will. Maybe. Here's the thing: I never that you never have to qualify that because if you if you you know knew something was going to appeal to you, you would have watched it. You know, so <laughs> your discrimination, that. your discrimination you, you, on the first part of not watching the shows that you don't think are going to hit you qualifies. There, there's that. there. I mean, there's stuff that you know. I I just watch things. There's definitely stuff that's like aired that might interest me, uh, maybe not definitively, but yeah, I've just reached the point that I just have so little time to watch anything anymore, and there's so much stuff that I, I'm not. It's not that I'm not interested. It's just I just don't have the time. Yeah, like most of what I watch now is just containing group watching. Yeah, same. If if I if I had the if I had the time to watch everything that I was interested in a given season, I definitely would, but I don't. Um, as far as anime of the year for me is probably, uh, Dragon Maid, I guess right now. Of the three you've seen from this year. I, I mean, okay. I'll take that back. If we include movies and stuff, which I generally don't, um, it would be rebuild. Yeah, uh, 4.0. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I I didn't love Thrice Upon a Time like as a an entire product. You know, I love parts of it super much, but yeah, but there were better all arounds than Thrice Upon a Time. <sighs> See, you were in on that giant giant ship battle stuff in the middle with the the. Lead red no, but and the whip and the like. I I wasn't in on that, but I was in for the majority of it. I would say. I mean, you got the first part with. Well, okay. <laughs> we can't do this. We can't Not make this. Over yeah, we're, do, we're doing the thing podcast. I said we wouldn't do. We can't do it. Yeah, we yeah. Can't we'll do it. we'll have to do a whole rebuild one on its own. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We'll bring you on for that one. Maybe sure. have a couple other people that want to talk about it or something. Have a big powwow for it. Oh boy, it's gonna be a pleasure to edit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, rebuild would be my favorite. Then uh, if we we're just doing series, it'd be Kobayashi, which that doesn't mean a whole lot coming from me right now because really the only things that are challenging, like even coming close to it, are like Odd Taxi and uh, B Star Season Two, which I have not even finished. Oh which is God. why <laughs> like I'm, I'm literally halfway through it and i just like i don't know i just stalled out because i oh no that's what i i was watching it before uh my surgery happened so mm. oh oh i see yeah once that happened like everything just fucking fell apart for me <laughs> not literally but you know what i mean mm. <laughs> that could have been taken literally it's supposed to go the other way of surgery yeah uh, uh well they i mean they didn't they just took a part of me took a part out of me only one part but they also put something in you'll find out next time you get an x-ray that was just something that they forgot to take out oh 
You gotta stop this, or people are gonna turn off this podcast. And I mean, we were already at the two. I mean, two hours. <laughs> I if you saw what I labeled the uh, the timestamps on the last one, I think the last like five minutes was just labeled the slow death of the podcast. Yo, yeah. so anybody, if anybody's still listening to this, put a put a smiley face in the comments on YouTube. Be put sure a, to like, comment, and subscribe. Put a big XD or or what? We, what code word should we say? What phrase should we tell them to? Uh, um to say 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 um just put i'm fucking dead with no context yeah yeah there we go i'm fucking dead put that in the comments if you made it this far (laughs) nobody's gonna fucking put that in the comments (laughs) not even the people that made it this far no uh what were we talking about before that oh komi-san komi yeah yeah so like mine is um zombie land saga r the fucking 10 out of 10 it was one of the best was it one of the best seasons i've ever seen was like it, it better was, than the first season? Yes. Okay. It, it made me cry almost every episode. Like literally, n- probably eleven out of twelve episodes. I I'm cry. interested to see what they do with with the uh, reveal that happened at the end of the first season. See that that overwhelms everything else. Let's talk about everything that was great about those twelve episodes that were that was not just the three second kicker at the end of episode twelve. Right. Right. That was baiting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. Uh, but then, but then I was I saw this Kobe sound thing, and then I saw the OP, and I'm like, this could challenge, man. Mm. This could challenge, or even Wonder Egg Priority would be my asterisk. Like, if if there is a good ending to Wonder Egg Priority, it would probably be my number one show of all time. Like, it could it could be that good, really. And depending on how the ending's done, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, I think that Komi san could be up there too. Okay. I, I am. I am drinking that Kool-Aid. I am on my hype train. Choo-choo. I don't know what Komi-san is, so... I'll have You'll to find out when you're when I... older. <laughs> or I'll find out when I'm having to link it in the annotation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could be like, damn, this OP is actually fire. Let me check this out. This goes to show you know, how, th- uh, how out of touch, much of an out-of-touch boomer you are, Mumi. I mean, you make it sound like it's because I'm old, when in reality, I've just always been out of touch. Oh. It's also because you're extroverted too, I think. I think I'm extroverted. Yeah, you're a people person, Mooney. Don't lie. Yeah, you. Yeah, uh, you job haver. I don't know about that. You job haver. You girlfriend haver. God, you, I wouldn't consider you myself Discord an moderator. Um, maybe you're just a uh, masochist then. What? <laughs> Like, like doing all the work to get this podcast up, doing all the work to run a Discord server. Ah, oh, that's just because I like talking. See, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I, was I like QED. the sound of my own voice. I mean, I got in trouble when I was in school. This is uh, Mumi story time with Grandpa Mumi here. <laughs> I've ended the last three people who were listening to this podcast turned it off by now. Oh, yeah. But uh, I got in trouble when I was in third grade. Uh, for talking and I was told I had to go sit by the wall and you know face the wall during class where I couldn't talk I still continued to talk to the wall and my teacher was just like what is wrong with you (laughs) because I could just talk because I just like the sound of my own voice (laughs) that's that's terrifying Oh my God. Yeah, what's really terrifying is all of the unlisted podcasts that are still up on this channel of just me talking to myself <laughs> incoherently for hours at a time. Oh God, you're like speaking other languages and different voices and stuff. Oh, 
Yeah, we used to upload them to uh, Infowars, but you know what happened there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put them up on Live Leak. <laughs> may, it, may it rest in peace or burn in hell. No, I was, it was interesting that you brought up Zombieland Saga because I was going to say, this is the second time in a row uh, toward the end of the podcast we've just suddenly started talking about idol anime. Yeah, yeah. I think the longer it goes on, the more we just start talking about idol anime. I think that's just like, uh, what is It's not Murphy's Law. Uh, Poe's yeah. Law. Is it Poe's Law? Law? But instead of Nazis, it's uh, idol anime. Yeah. The, the year is 20XX. The only anime in production are idol anime. Yeah. There you go. That's that's the code word for you. It's going to be Mumi's Law. The longer you talk <laughs> about anime, the more likely you'll come around to uh, idol anime. There we go. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We'll tie it all in together. Um. Yeah, we don't really have a good way to close out. Uh, so that's probably why this has lasted for so long. Because <laughs> we just struggle to find a way to end everything. So uh... It's a learning process. And here's the thing, because you guys are young. Let me talk. This is, this is Grandpa Clearance Weed's time to shine. Here we go. But the, the longer you talk and the longer that you do, the more that you act upon the world, the more you will find who you are and what you want to be. And you will get better at doing that. And you will um, be more discerning and more... Um, effective in your communication so I think that being here on episode 2 with you has been a distinct pleasure because I was always be part of your journey and part of your memory uh, into becoming the content creator that you were always meant to be uh, yeah, so. you you will you will always hold the esteemed pleasure of being our first guest on the podcast. Yeah. You, want me, you want me to just scream so I know where to end it? Um, no. I I want but you to, yeah. Just... I want you to scream your favorite Love Live member. Okay, hold on. Is this going to be our thing? Just size going to end every podcast by screaming something into the mic. Instead of screaming my own favorite uh, Love Live character to end it off, I'm just going to scream William Shatner's favorite Love Live character. Right? Um, poetic. Umi!